James chapter 4. We're going to start in verse number 4 this morning. And it says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of this world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now this verse here is it's a pretty pretty harsh verse. It's it's something that is not necessarily that people would want to hear, but James he kind of was getting on to these people. He gave them encouragement, but he also had to rebuke them at times. And the Bible does that to us. Sometimes it rebukes us and it shows us our error. And uh, this morning I just want to talk about spiritual adultery. Because when we, read these ver- when we read this verse right here, it's not talking about between a husband and a wife. Because if you notice as the verse goes on, it says, Know ye not that the friendship of this world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That verse is talking about the, the people of God leaving God for the world. So we're going to think about that this morning, but let's pray before we begin. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for how it speaks to our hearts. And God, I just thank you how you've spoken to my heart. And Lord, I thank you that you work in me. And sometimes when I have issues, Lord, that you are loving and kind. And Lord, you show me the truth and the way. And Lord, today I pray that you would do that for us in this room. And God, just help us to receive the Bible as, as it is, Lord, Your Word. Not just some book, but that God, You inspired men through Your Spirit to put these words in a book and have given it to us, Lord. Thank You for that leadership. And Lord, I pray today You just work. In Jesus' name, Amen. This word, friend, we all pretty much know what it means to be a friend. But here it means somebody who becomes familiar with this person or this thing, a companion, someone that you count dear, someone that you're very fond of. So as the Bible tells us right here, that they were becoming very fond of the world and the things of this world, that they had made friendship, that they, had, that they knew the world. And we all have a side in us today that is worldly, and we know the world. We understand the world because we're of the world. But when God comes into our life, He gives us His Spirit, and we have new understanding. We have understanding that the people in this world don't have. And that is a walk with God. Before God ever came into my life, I was separated from Him. I couldn't walk with Him. I couldn't understand Him or know Him. But when Jesus came in, He gave me that understanding. And the Bible says that with the blood of Christ, we are bought. That God has actually purchased us. And that we belong to Him. So, this is what makes sense. Is that we belong to Him now, and when you turn from Him, that's like adultery. And adultery, it's even the world understands that adultery is wrong. A lost person understands that adultery is wrong. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't do it. But somebody who is unfaithful to their spouse, they know they're wrong. They understand that. The world understands that. And it's not a good thing. And it's not something that that people normally are proud of. It's something they're ashamed of. But do we ever take the time to really think about the fact that sometimes 
If we fall in love with this world and we're turning from the Lord, we're actually committing adultery to the God who has given everything for us. The God has, that has purchased us. It's a very serious thing. And God, sometimes in His Word, He gives us things that are so easy to understand. This morning, I understand how it would feel if your spouse was unfaithful. You know what I'm saying? You understand that feeling as a human. We get that. If some, if some guy came in and thought he was going to steal the affection of my wife, I would have an issue with that. That would be a big deal to me. It would be something that I wouldn't just stand by and let it happen. So when God looks down and He sees our hearts turning from Him and going to the world, it's a big deal to Him. It's not a big deal because he, he doesn't care. It's a big deal because He loves you. God loves you. And when He sees you going in the direction that you shouldn't be going, He wants you to turn back and come to Him. We all have this tendency to, to stray from the Lord. We all have the ability to walk away if we, if we take our attention off of God. Every one of us in this room, we could do that. In Ephesians 2, verse 13, the Bible says, But now is Christ Jesus, I'm sorry, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ brought me close to God. It's not my goodness, it's not because of who I am, but Jesus Christ has brought me close to God. His blood did that for me. And when you, I'm sure you can remember those of you in this room who have, have trusted in Jesus as your Savior. Do you remember when God first changed your life? How you loved Him? How, how much He meant to you? How much you wanted to follow Him? To somebody in this room who has never trusted Jesus, this doesn't mean much to you. But if you know, if there was a time in your life where you knew that you were a sinner and that you had failed the Holy God, and that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for you. That love was in your heart for Him. That love for Him. And we don't love Him because we're good people. No, the Bible says we love Him because He first loved us. Before I was ever any good, which I'm still no good, I should rephrase that, <laughs> but good in the Lord, justified through Christ, before there was ever anything in my heart to even want to follow God, Jesus loved me. Before there was ever any desire to live for Him, Jesus loved me. And He loves you today. Every one of you in this room. God is so good to us. God is so good and He's done so much. But yet sometimes we start to love things that He doesn't love. Love things that God does not accept. Love things that God does not condone. And when that happens, our hearts begin to turn away from Him. When we talked about that word friend, meaning to, to be familiar, are you more familiar with the things of this world than you are with the things of God? Think about this in your mind today. Challenge yourself. Think about it. If we could somehow make a test where... You could, it could either be on maybe movies or sports or whatever you really enjoy in this world. And then you could have a test about the Bible and test your knowledge and see which one you knew more about. Would it be the things of this world? 
Do you know more about Hollywood than you know about your Bible? If you do, there's something wrong. And you know what? Let's be honest and say, God deserves better than that. God deserves better than that. We... It's okay to enjoy things. I'm not up here saying you can never, you know, watch a game or enjoy things and that that's not the truth. Here's what I want to emphasize today. When that is all we want in life, when our heart longs for entertainment more than it longs for church, there's something wrong. When you can sit here in the house of God and it means absolutely nothing and you can't wait to get out of here because you have something else going on. Something's wrong in your heart. Something's wrong. And James, he, he, I, this probably wasn't popular. I wouldn't want to be called an adulterer, would you? But we have to be honest sometimes and look inside and say, God, I am starting to get away from You. My heart is going to the world. Let's be honest with ourselves this morning. Think about it in your own heart, how adultery would make you feel, and then you can understand how God feels. I'm going to turn to several verses. If you have a place or something to mark your place, you can do that because we'll be back here at the end. But we're going to flip through and go to a couple verses this morning. So, first let's turn to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. In the Bible, these, these uh, religious people, the Pharisees, they always tried to catch Jesus saying something wrong or bad and tried to get him, try to trip him up on his words. But in, in Matthew chapter 22, in verse number 34, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? They said, Jesus, what do you think the greatest commandment is? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. There's a lot in these verses right here. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart. Did you know that? That's what Jesus said. And then He said in verse 40 that all the other laws, they hang on this. What did He mean by that? He meant by that is if you love God, you're not going to have a problem obeying God. But if your heart is not for God, then you're going to struggle with all the other commandments. If you don't love God like you should, and by the way, he said if you love your neighbor, it's the same thing. If I love my neighbor, I'm not going to want to steal from them. I'm not going to want to commit adultery. I'm not going to want to cheat and, and, and be hateful and all these things in the Bible if I love my neighbor. But if you love God, everything else is just easier. But when you have no heart for God, how hard is it for you to live for Him? It's hard, isn't it? You're not going to want to do it. You, may, you might make yourself do it for a while, but if your heart is not in it, you're going to struggle. And let's, let's think about this, because think, think about this this morning. Are you, are you closer to God today than you were when you first trusted Him as your Savior? Or can you look back on your life and say, there was a time when I was closer to God? 
There was a time when I did more. There was a time when I cared more. There was a time when I prayed more and I read my Bible more. And it meant something to me. Can you say that today? If you can say that today, I'll tell you what's happened. Your heart is turning from God. It is. You may not see it. You may not recognize it, but it's turning. Because we ought to be getting closer to God than before. Turn your Bible to Revelation. Revelation chapter number 2. Last week in Sunday school class, Brother Jed and I, when he was teaching in 1 Thessalonians, he talked about how sometimes we need to rekindle our love. And he talked about it really with husband and wife and with God. And it is true. And he talked about how the world, they just say, I'm not really in love with them anymore. I kind of fell out of love. They use that term, I fell out of love with this person. But that's not how love works. Love doesn't work just, I feel this way, so I'm going to do this. No, sometimes we have to say, okay, my heart's not in the right place. I'm going to make it right. Anyway, let's look at uh, Revelation chapter 2, because Jesus is going to address this church at Ephesus. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 1, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. This is what Jesus said, I know thy works and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. That's a pretty good encouragement, isn't it? They're doing a lot of good things. They're working, they're serving, they're following, they're, they're doing what they, what they should be doing. But then look in verse 4. Nevertheless, he's going to take a turn here. I have somewhat against thee. Because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. That, that's, that's something that we should all seriously consider as we read this. Because they were doing things in church. They were pretty faithful. They were holding to sound doctrine. They didn't just let all this false doctrine and error come into the church. No, they got it out. They were holding to the Bible. But Jesus said, you've left your first love. You don't love me like you once did. And Jesus didn't say, it's okay, that's alright, just keep going. No, He said, it's time to repent. It's time, it's time to bring your heart back to me. And sometimes we just feel so, I don't, I don't know if I want to use the word justify, but we just feel so, it's okay, I can come to church, I can serve, I can do what I want, but your heart's not really toward God. You need to repent. You need to turn your heart back to Him. And believe me, when you do that, your Christian life will become so much more real. Because it's, the Christian life is not just a, a going through the Bible and, and reading do's and don'ts, but it's loving God and having a relationship with Him. That's what God wants. That's what He desires. But sometimes our desires don't go to Him. Sometimes we go out into the world. I'm going to, uh, let's see, we're going to go into the Old Testament now. And we're going to read some Old Testament. Joshua chapter 23. I'm going to show you in the Bible where 
this concept of spiritual adultery was not just in the New Testament, but it was actually in the Old Testament as well. Joshua chapter 23, and let's start in verse number 6. The Bible says, Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left, that ye come not among these nations, we could call that the world, these that remain among you, neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them. But cleave unto the Lord your God, as you have done unto this day. He said, keep holding to God. You've done it so far. Keep going. Why did He give them this encouragement? He gave them the encouragement because He knew that the nations around them and the false gods and the beliefs of the world were going to come in. And He said, cleave to God. Don't leave God. Look in verse 9, For the Lord had driven out from before you great nations and strong. But as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God, He it is that fighteth for you, as He hath promised you. Now look at this verse, Take good heed therefore unto yourselves, that ye love the Lord your God. You know what Joshua told them? He said, love God. This is my encouragement. Love God. That's my encouragement to you today. Love God. Look in verse 12. Else if you do in any wise go back. If you turn back, if you turn your affections from God and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, even these that remain among you, and shall make marriages with them, and go in unto them, and they to you, know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you. But they shall be snares and traps unto you, and scourges in your sides, and thorns in your eyes, until ye perish from off this, land, this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. There is so much in this right here. And by the way, when I read this, I see so much of this in James. Because he says, you're loving God, you're serving God. Keep hold to Him. But there's going to be the world around you. And you're going to see it, and you're going to want to go there. But he said, love God. Love God. Cleave to Him. Don't leave Him. Don't, don't pay it. Don't get your eyes off Him and look at what's going on in the culture. But love God. And if you do, he said, be sure, you're going to pay for it. And by the way, when I read this and I see this in verse 12, how he talked about making marriages with him. When you read in the Old Testament up until this point, God was very specific that they were not to marry into this lost culture. And when I read that, I just, I, I, number one, I'm thankful that for my wife. I am. I'm thankful for her. I met her at church, and, and I can tell you that that she has never one time discouraged me, never said, let's, go, let's not go to church anymore, let's not believe this anymore, let's not do this anymore. No! That's not how it is. Young people, people who aren't married yet, I want to give you some advice. If, when you think about marrying somebody, God has somebody for you. But don't ever go into a marriage thinking, yeah, they don't really care about the things of God, but I'm going to change their mind once I'm married. That's foolish. That's foolish. 
God said, don't do it. Don't go to the lost culture and say, I'm going to find me a wife there. I'm going to find me a wife. She doesn't care about the things of God, but that doesn't matter. It does matter. It's going to pull your heart away from the God of heaven. And He matters. He's got somebody for us. Let's be an encouragement to our spouse. That, that should encourage us. Let's, let's be that person. I want to be the spiritual man in the home that says, let's follow God. Let's love God. Let's look in Ezekiel chapter 6. We're going to fast forward in time here. Joshua said, if you follow these things, if you go after them, you're going to perish from all this land. And then we... We find ourselves in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 6. I don't know if I told you that, but chapter 6. And these people have done exactly what Joshua told them not to do. And so what we're going to see here is a people who God is no longer blessing. But He's going to drive them out of the land. Ezekiel chapter 6. We're not going to read all of this, but the first... Seven verses that talks about how God is going to really bring down their high places, their altars, and that people are going to be slain, and that they're going to be taken captive, and it's going to be great destruction. Verse 8, though. Let's read in verse 8. Yet will I leave a remnant. God said, even though I'm destroying, even though I'm bringing into captivity, I'm going to leave people that are going to remain through this. Verse 8, yet, I will, yet will I leave a remnant that, they, that ye may have some that shall escape the sword among the nations when ye shall be scattered throughout the countries. And they that escape of you shall remember me among the nations whether they shall be carried away captives. And then look at this, because I am broken. God said, this is what God said, I am broken with their whorish heart which hath departed from me and with their eyes which go whoring after their idols. And they shall loathe themselves for the evils which they have committed in all their abominations. It broke God's heart. God said, I'm broken over this. He loved them. But they didn't love Him in return. Verse 10, And they shall know that I am the Lord, and that I have not said in vain that I would do this evil unto them. Now, when he, when he said that in, that in verse 10, God said, my words are not meaningless. They're not empty. I told them if they did this, this would happen. Did He not predict that in Joshua? By the way, that, that shows us. This, this shows us something. That God's Word is true. And that God's Word can be trusted. And that God doesn't use vain words, empty words, meaningless words. God's words mean something. Uh, we went through a drive-thru yesterday and got some food. And a person at the drive-thru, they asked me, how's it going? You know that phrase, how's it going? This made my wife and I have a conversation. But I said, oh, it's going pretty good. And they actually responded and said, man, I'm so glad you're having a great day. I was like, whoa, that's kind of weird. <laughs> Normally somebody says, how's it going? Oh, it's good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just kind of, it's over then, right? There was this, this guy at work. He, we have a new, a new boss that came in. And uh, I was talking to this guy the other day, and he's like, man, I really just don't like this new, this new boss, and I, you know, I have a problem with him. I'm like, what's wrong? He said, the other day he asked me how it's going, and before I could even turn around and answer him, he was walking the other way. I'm like, okay. But that, I mean, that's pretty common, right? 
My advice to him was get over it. That's something little and silly, but I have to be honest though. I sometimes I ask how it's going and I don't necessarily care. Sorry. <laughs> if I ask you guys how it's going and I don't seem to care, it's probably because I really don't. <laughs> I think we all do it though, really. It's just kind of it's kind of a phrase that we say. But when it comes to God's words, God never says something that he doesn't mean. God never says something that's not true. He never says something that He's going to turn back on. His words are real. His words are alive. And God cares about your heart today. Don't think that it's okay to just live how you want to live and then come... We're going to look at something before I get ahead of myself. <laughs> Let's turn... Uh, we're in Ezekiel. Let's turn to chapter number 23. Chapter 23. We're going to start reading in verse number 37 of chapter 23. Israel and Judah are being addressed here. Excuse me. Israel and Judah. Verse 37. That they have committed adultery and blood is in their hands. Look at this. And with their idols have they committed adultery. Once again, we see that's not an adultery between husband and wife, but between their God that they loved because they went to the idols. And have also caused their sons whom they bear unto me to pass from them through the fire to devour them. Moreover, this they have done unto me. They have defiled my sanctuary in the same day and have profaned my Sabbaths. For when they had slain their children to the idols, that's talking about how they sacrificed them to the false gods, then they came the same day into my sanctuary to profane it. And lo, thus have they done in the midst of mine house. The same day that they sacrificed to these false gods, they came into the house of God. How, how bold, how, how careless they could be. How unaware they were. But to bring it down to our level, we come into God's house on Sundays and Wednesdays. Let me ask you, how do you live the rest of the week, though? How do you live? Does God matter to you on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday? Or does He just matter on Sunday? He deserves more than just my Sunday best. He deserves my everyday best. God deserves that. And He does from you as well. God has done so much for me. I can never... I, by the way, I'm not trying to repay God. If, if, you're, if you're living life thinking, God, I'm doing this just because I have to do this because you've done... No, we, we love God. That's why we do it. See, that's the whole thing. That's why it's love God. It's not just serve God because He said so. No, we love Him. If you miss this and you love the things of this world more than you do God, that's why it's going to be hard. That's why you're going to struggle. But when you love God, He matters more. I have desires in my flesh. I'm not going to stand up here and say I don't. I have wrong desires every day. But if I love God more than I love my flesh in the world, I'm going to say no! I'm not going to do that. But if I love myself and the world more, what am I going to do? Sometimes people live like you can do both. Both. Like they kind of mix together. 
Let's bring the world in the church and just make this a place where people feel comfortable. And No, this is a place that's holy to God. And God deserves our holiness. Be ye holy, for I am holy, God said. If you go, I'm not going to turn here, but sometimes go through 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where Paul tells the church at Corinth to come out from among them and be ye separate. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You cannot justify being worldly and ungodly and then coming to God and acting like He's just going to somehow bless us. That's not taught in the Bible. People may not want to hear that. People may want to say, well, God's just going to... you know." And God is a loving God. I'm not minimizing that. But sometimes, in the, especially in the world that we live in, I think Satan has infiltrated and corrupted minds to where they just paint a picture of God that you can live however you want to please, come to God, and He's just somehow going to meet all your needs and take care of you. That's not taught in the Bible. The Bible says, if I'm a friend of the world, what am I? An enemy of God. That's harsh. But that's God. I can't come to a holy God with my, with my just wicked behavior and say, God, bless it. Because He doesn't. This morning, hopefully, you're not there. But, let me ask you this, are you on the road to turning from God? Is your heart slowly drifting away from Him? Maybe you're not there this morning. Maybe you say, my heart's with God, but I'm, I'm kind of starting to drift and my relationship's not as good and He doesn't mean as much. I encourage you this morning, make that right with Him. 1 John chapter 1. We are getting close to done. 1 John chapter 1. Verse number 5. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you. This message that we heard from Jesus, by the way. That God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. We lie. We're liars. If I walk in opposition to God and His Word, and I tell you, I'm, i got to walk with God. I'm in fellowship. Things are going great. I'm a liar, the Bible says. Two encouraging things you heard at church today. Number one, you're an adulterer. Number two, you're a liar. Just kidding. Sort of. <laughs> no, but really, though, seriously, though, God, God you know, sometimes people, I, I really think we can think that sometimes. We can cover up our sins we can hold on to them. We can somehow just, just say, God, you know what? I know you want to give me, you want me to give this up, and you want me to give you this area of my life, but I don't want to do it right now. I'm not willing to do it. God, I'm telling you, no, I don't want to do it right now. But then I want to come in here and say, I'm walking with them. That's a lie. It's a lie. That's what the Bible says. It's a lie. We lie to ourselves sometimes. Sometimes we look at our sins as. It's not as bad as the other things that are in the world. Yeah, God wants me to give this up, but it's not as bad. I'm kind of holding on. You, that means to me, there's, and it may not be your entire heart, but a little bit of your heart is given to the world. When you tell God no, your heart is not completely given to Him. 
Because when your heart's completely given to God, no matter what it is, when He touches your heart and He shows you through the Word and says, you need to change this, a heart that's given to God, you get down on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry! I'm going to give it to you. God is never unfaithful to us. Never. There is not one person that could ever claim that God was unfaithful to us. So you know what that means? Anytime we begin to drift away from God, it is us who need to turn back to Him. It's not God that needs to change His ways. We have to change our ways. Because He is never unfaithful. You want God's unconditional love? You want God to bless your marriage and your family and your home? He'll do it, I promise you. But He's not going to do it if you say, God, I don't want what you have. He'll do it. We just have to turn to Him. We're going to end. Book of James. Go back to James. So James gives them this, this news that you are befriending the world and you're turning from God. But he doesn't just end it there. We're going to go down to verse 6. The Bible says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. The grace of God is available. The grace of God is there for you today. But you can't take it with pride in your heart. Meaning, I can't say, God, I want your grace but I'm going to do it my way and do what I want and I don't care what you have. No. He said, the Bible says God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So if you want God's grace, here's a good way to get it today. Humble yourselves. That means, you know what that means? Saying, I'm wrong, God. I'm wrong. I've been wrong and I'm drifting. So first, we need to humble ourselves. And we could spend a long time on that because humility is so important in the eyes of God. But then look at verse number 7. He said, Submit yourselves therefore to God. I'm going to admit I'm wrong. I'm going to say, God, I've been doing wrong, but now I'm going to submit to You, Lord. I'm going to submit to You. Are you submitting to God today? Or are you running the show? In your life, are you submitting to God and His Word? We need God. We need God's Word and His authority. And when we hear things in the Bible that we should obey, we should, be, we should have the heart that submits to His Word. If someone has to make you, you're not really submitting. We learned that today. <laughs> we learned that in Sunday school. He talk, uh, Brother Jed and I talked about the pastor and the church members and our relationship and how the pastor doesn't lord over the church. And, and, and if he makes you, you're not really submitting. If someone has to make you, if you're young and your mom and dad, if you feel like they're making me do this, then you are not submitting to God. You're not submitting to God. But James said, submit to God. And then he said, resist the devil and he will flee. The world and the temptations are going to come your way, I promise you. You're, you might face them today. If not, more than likely when you go to work tomorrow, you're going to face them. You're going to, you're going to face the world and the systems of the world and, and the desires of the world. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? The answer is submit to God, resist the devil. They go hand in hand. 
When I submit to God, I'm saying no to Satan. No. I don't want it. Could be something you've been holding on to in your heart for a long time. Something that you've had and you've never given to God. Can you think of something in your mind today where you've been in a service and God has dealt with you? Or you've read your Bible and prayed and God has dealt with you that God said, I want you to give this to me. I want your heart. Can you think of that today? If you have something in your heart like that, humble yourself today and say, God, I'm submitting to you. I'm submitting to your word. Look in verse number 8. He says, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Listen, once again, that goes back to the concept. God is not going to turn and say, I'm going to take you even though you're in rebellion and disobedience. No, we have, to, we have to draw nigh to Him. And God promised that He would get close to us. That's, that's beautiful. God said, if you get close to me, guess what? I'll get close to you. And we'll have a relationship. But we have to, we have to take that first step. And then He says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. We need to repent of what we've done. He called them double-minded. Do you notice that? That means what part of their mind says, oh, I want to follow God, I want to do what God was, but then part of their mind says, here's the world, and I kind of like this. I'm going to pick and choose. I'm going to say, God, I'm willing. Here, here's what I am, God, I'm willing today. I'm going to give you this, this, and this. But you asked me for this, and I'm, I'm not quite ready. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. You don't bargain with God and say, God, I'll give you this, and but I'm going to hang on to this. Let the Lord speak to your heart today. Let His Word speak to you. And I just, you know, I, I want to encourage you, and, and chances are that hopefully a lot of you aren't in the place where the Bible, when it says adulterers and adulteresses, you don't consider yourself in that place. I hope you're not. But I tell you what, if you're starting to go down that road, it's dangerous. God loves you. God loves you. And He wants all of you today. This church, we, as members of the church, as, as those who have been bought by the blood of Christ, we are called to a different life. We are called out of this world to live for Him. We don't want the world getting back in there, do we? I don't, I don't want to go to a church where the world is just embraced and encouraged and we just want to be more like them and dress more like them and sing more like them and act more like them. That's not what God told me to do. It's not what He told you to do. But He loves you. Here's the good news. Maybe you have drifted. Maybe your heart is not where it needs to be. Here's the good news. You can change it today. Come to God and say, God, my heart is not where it needs to be. Admit it. You know what? We, we lie so much to ourselves. Sometimes we can be so hypocritical. Put on a show, but inside we really truly know and we're not willing to admit it. Come to the altar today and say, God, I admit it. I'm wrong. And I want to make it right. And God promised you that if you do that, if you draw close to Him, that He's going to get close to you. Do you have a walk with God today? Does your walk with God even matter? 
There's so many important things in life. Tomorrow I'm going to get up and go to, go to work. I'm going to, I'm going to go to my job. I'm going to provide for my family. I believe that's important. But just as important tomorrow, I ought to get in my Bible. And I should pray. And I should say, Lord, what do you want from me today? But we treat the things of God sometimes as if they're not that important. But in the end, when you get to heaven, you're not going to say, man, I wish I would have worked more hours. I wish I would have you know, done more. I, I would have been better at sports. Or, man, I wish I would have watched more TV or knew more about these movies. No, you're going to regret the fact that you didn't know God as good as you could have. I'm not going to have to pay for my sins because Jesus already did that. But I am going to stand before God and I will be judged for how I served Him in this life. Some people He's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Some people He's going to call them lazy, slothful, wicked servants. I don't want to be that one. I don't want to be the lazy one who didn't care about the things of God. It's easy. The world is easy because I can see it. I can touch it. I have the feelings in my heart. Living for God is difficult because I can't see Him. I have His Word. But my, my own mind sometimes makes me doubt His Word and say, God, I know you said this, but it doesn't seem to be working. God's Word is not in vain. He's not going to lie to you. Trust Him. Build yourselves treasures in heaven. Set up treasures in heaven. Don't live for this life. Don't live for this life. At my age, I'm younger, and I don't really think a whole lot about death, but I'm sure the older we get, the more we start to think about these things, and for those of you in this room who have lived for a while, you can probably look back on your life and say, you know what, I did invest a lot into this, and I did a lot of this, but really what matters most is God, and He does. He matters most. He's most important today.